Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachetanit Daf Kaf Zion, page twenty-seven. So in page twenty-seven, here we dive in to what I would have expected to be already yesterday, but really we get the discussion of these mamadot. Eluhena mamadot. So there's a verse, right, in the Torah that says, go go establish watches, go establish these, what did you call them, your name, stations? So then the Gemara says, well, what is the Mishnah really talking about when it's talking about these watches? These are the watches of the stations. Why did they set them up? Because we've got this verse. The, it's a verse from the book of Numbers, Bamidbar, where it says specifically, command to Bani Israel, and meaning Hashem's talking to Moshe, saying, Go set up, um, go set up these offerings, Lishi, my offering of food, which will be presented to Hashem of a fire. And all of this then is like going the the way this becomes the watches is going to be explained later. But the reason they're establishing them is because of this verse. So what does it mean that a person can have an offering which is sacrificed on his behalf and he's not there, right? Like he's not standing right next to it to be, if the idea is, and obviously there's dispute about this in terms of the rationale or motivation for karbanot, but the idea that a, the um, the Gemara here is functioning on the presumption that a karban is taking the place of a person on the Mizbeach and how can it be that it can work if He's not standing right next to it. So we have the early prophets and the commentaries here say that we're talking here about the time of Shmuel and David, meaning this goes back a long, long way, where they instituted these 24 Mishmarot, the Mishmarot of the Kohanim, who would have these watches of, uh, or again, stations, you know, who would be on when, which two weeks of the year. I'll call Mishmar, Mishmar, Hayam Ahmad, Biyushalayim, Shokohanim, Vishalivim. So they would end up with a watch, right, of both Kohanim and Levim, Vishal Yisraelim, and also of the non, uh, what do you call it, non Kohanim and non Levim. man mishmar lalot Kohanim Levim olin Yerushalayim, and then it would be the right time for that particular mishmar to go up to Yerushalayim, and then the Kohanim and the Levim of that particular um, mishmar would in fact go to Yerushalayim. So all of this is, I, I feel like it's kind of spelling out what we've already understood. And then it gets a little more complicated, I think. Tana Rabbanan, the sages taught, Esrim Arba Mishmarot Be'eretz Yisrael. There are 24 watches in Eretz Yisrael. And if you read this for the first time, you're like, well, where else are they going to be? Of course they're in Eretz Yisrael. But then the Gemara continues, Ushtein Esrei B'Yericho. There were 12 in Yericho, which surprises the Gemara as much perhaps as it surprises us. Ushtein Esrei B'Yericho? Meaning that would seem like there's too many because then we end up with 36, which doesn't work out to be, you know, the rotation during the year that we would expect. So this is a different take on it. It says, instead of there being 24 from the land of Israel and 12 from Yericho. It says there are 12 in the land of Israel and 12 in Yericho. And when it comes time for the for the Mishmar to go up 
um, from all over wherever in the land of Israel to go to Yerushalayim, then the other half, however this is defined, would come up from Yericho to provide water and food in Yerushalayim. So what we're talking about here is, it's not exactly clear to me, um, I mean, I just don't know enough, but I think that what's going on here is that, and that some of the commentaries acknowledge this or suggest this, that that the people doing the, the activities in the Beit Mikdash would come from all over Eretz Israel, and then there are people who provide for those same people who are coming from Yericho. This is, again, not exactly clear, and I, as I say, I think there's machloket amongst the commentaries, but it's certainly one of the views I've seen. Um, also, I want to note that there's a commentary of the list of exactly these, the Mamad, the Mishmarot, where they're coming from all over, for example, all over, you know, the land of Israel, that includes places that we don't even really know about nowadays, because there were tiny little places, but includes Tzfat, and it includes Notzrat, that includes Meiron and Tzipori and Beit Lechem, meaning the list that I'm looking at, Kfar Uziah, there's a long list, in fact, of 24, of course, to say where everybody's coming from. And I guess then people, families would be assigned to each of those locations. Obviously, not everybody is living specifically in each of these villages um, or towns. Next. So all of these groups of people, the Kohanim and the Levim and the Yisraelim, all of them are necessary for the Korban to happen. But Matnitin Tana, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, Kohanim, Levim, Bechle, Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar said, what do you need for the Korban? The Kohanim and the Levim and the musical instruments. He kind of leaves out the, the regular, you know, Joe B'nai Yisrael, um, whether they're necessary or not. But my commiflicate, so then the Gemara wants to know what's the difference between the position of Rabbi Yehuda, who says that Shmuel said all three groups of the people, and Rabbi Shimon ben and his view about the music. But my One holds that the, the essence of this avoda, of this aspect of the service, was the singing uh, out loud. And the other says that the real essence of the shira, of the song, is with the musical instruments. In which case, you really need to have the people who know how to play the musical instruments be there or you're going to have a difficulty. Whereas if it's by singing, then that speaks to the people needing to be there, not the instrument. Um, the Gemara continues, Amar of Chama Bar Guria, Amar Rav, Moshe Tiken Lahem Yisrael Shmona Mishmarot, Arba'a Me'alazar, Ba'arba Mi'itamar. So this is a basic version, I would say, of what became the system of the Mishmarot, Moshe first decreed that there would be eight watches of the Kohanim, four from the descendants of Elazar and four from the descendants of Itamar. We'll recall that the right Aaron, who was the first Kohen, he had four sons, but two of whom died without children. Um, not of an avil. Uh, their story is quite graphic and terrible in some many ways, right? That they burn on the Mizbech. Um, but they also, it's known, right? It's a, a comment both on them, but it's also listed in, in all of the genealogies of Aaron's family. They don't have children. So any future Kohanim come from Elazar and Itamar. Then, so on top of that, six of the, those eight decreed by Moshe, Shmuel came and established them as 16. And then David came, uh, and then in the time of David, he which I guess is technically the time of Shmuel as well, he established 24. 
Beyazer Gilad. And it's a verse from Divrei Hayamim, from Chronicles, that says it was in the 40th year of David's reign that they sent out, and there were these mighty men of valor, Giborei Chayel, um, and that's supposed to be the the establishment where the watches are listed of of all of these um, of all of these people from all over. Yeah, I, the whole thing with Yericho is just interesting. It's like a prominence to that city that I just had not really read about before or heard about before. And I and I've like done a lot of stuff on the Mamozo before. So I, I'd like to spend more time on that, but alas, the death. <laughs> so, <laughs> alas, my the list of topics. Um, I'm going to go on to Amud Bet here, um, which starts talking about the Israel Shabbat, Tell me, uh, which, you know, talked about the practice that the Israelim who were assigned to that Mishmar, but weren't stationed in Yerushalayim, would go into their town and they would read Masebreshi. Right, for where do we learn this? That there's some kind of connection between creation and the Mamodot, and why this was read at the Mamodot services. I'm a Rabbi Yaakov Baracha, I'm a Rabbi Yassi. If it wasn't for the Mamodot, heaven and earth would not exist. As it says, and here they quote a Pasuk from Bereshi chapter 15, verse 8. And it's very interesting that this Pasuk actually comes from an interaction between Abraham and Hashem. Right, so this was very famous. Avram says this is after he up with Lot, um, and he wants to know, and he still doesn't have children. So he says, "How do I know that I'm actually going to inherit Eretz Yisrael? Right, that I'm actually going to have children, so I will actually inherit Eretz Yisrael." Amar Avram. So Avram said, "Rabbonu Shalom, Shama Yisrael Chotin Lefanacha. Perhaps Israel will sin before you." Uh, maybe you'll do to them as you did to the generation of the flood and the gen- gen- generation of what's literally means dispersion but that's you know the whole story with uh, the tower of Babel so God answers no and so then Abram says to God right? let me know that I will inherit in other words so his question therefore is how will B'nai Israel basically be able to uh, sort of like atone uh, for their sins uh, if they, um, uh, you know, if they, uh, if they, um, uh, you know, if 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 the Beit Hamikdash is going to be destroyed, Marle. Um, so God answers back, right? So bring me three calves and three goats. Right. And so basically these are offerings. So this is basically, you know, the very famous Brit Bain Habitarim uh, that happens with Abraham and Hashem. Um, and that these offerings, the idea is that they will sort of achieve atonement for the sin. So what it shows is that um, even if uh, there, you know, if it wasn't for these offerings, basically there weren't for these korbanot, right, then basically, um, you know, uh, this question of Hodiena Bama Ershana wouldn't exist. So there's sort of this connection between um, B'nai Israel sort of inheriting the their portion of Eretz Israel and Korbanos itself. Um, and so that's why we read Bereshit. Now, again, it's not totally explicit or clear to me why. I think it, it's, it's clear to me the connection of sort of saying that sort of the worship of God is fundamental to the existence of earth. And that's why we read Bereshit. But I find the psukim that they bring here, this conversation between Abraham and God, right? The first believer of monotheism 
and this particular exchange of Brit Bain Habitarim to be a little bit interesting, that that's sort of how they prove it. I, and I don't know if you agree with me about that. I have to give it more thought. I'm embarrassed yeah, to say, but just, I think it needs more thought. Right. Um, but it just, I don't know. I, I found it to be interesting. And then finally, uh, Ravasi continues with sort of this uh, dialogue between them. Amr Lafanov, right? Avram says, Rabona Shalom, Tenech Bismancha Beit Hamidash Kayam. Right, this would be true for when the temple exists. What happens when it doesn't exist? Amarlo, God says, uh, I already established for them that they'll read basically the korbanot, right? Which many people, that's the part of davening, people skip over, myself included, very often in the morning. Whenever they read it before me, I will consider it as if they had brought it before me. Um, and then I will forgive them for their sins. So I read this in and I was like, I really should say Corbett for the morning, which I don't usually get to. Um, so, but again, I found this whole thing to be puzzling. Like it, this is not an obvious connection and sort of this, uh, like obvious to me would be like, yeah, the, the point of the world is to worship God. And so it's making that connection between sort of what seems like a universalistic story about the creation of the world and specifically the temple. This whole sort of, uh, you know, supposed conversation between Abraham and Hashem during brief Bain Abitarim, I don't know. It felt like a stretch to me. Again, I agree with you. I have to think about it more. And I'm curious if there's someone who's learning along with us who has some more insight into this. Um, and then, you know, I just want to conclude, you know, there's another um, uh, uh, Brisa here that talks about the Mamado, Tanu Rabbanan, on Shem Mishmar, the members of the Mishmar, Hayumit Palalim Korban Achayim Sheet Kabel Baratzon, they Korban would be accepted, you know, uh, would be accepted that was being brought for their brothers. Right, and the men of the the members of the Mamad, right, who weren't in Yerushalayim, would go to their synagogue and observe these four fasts. Right, so it's exactly what our Mishnah says. But now they assign meaning to each day, right? So Monday they fasted for the safety of sea travelers. For the safety of those who travel in the deserts. Um, and again, uh, some of what the Mepharshim explained is that there's a connection between like uh, the the second day of creation, right? When the waters are created. So that's why you pray for, uh, you know, uh, people traveling by sea. Earth is created on the third day. So that's why you uh, pray for those who are traveling in the desert. But uh, Oscar, which many people say is like a diphtheria, possibly, uh, is uh, so on, on the fourth day is when you um, uh, uh, would pray that that curse wouldn't come upon children. And some of them have to explain that because or wrote, right, which is the word of, you know, sort of luminaries or celestial beings can also be read as me'erat, which is a curse of. So there's a connection there. And then finally, bachimishi al-ubarot menikot. On Thursday, you pray for pregnant women and for um, nursing women, because again, that was the day on creation where it says, you should sue amayim sharetz nefesh chaya. The, right, the water should be teeming with creeping, living creatures. So the word chaya is meant to mean like infants here. Um, and so it says, that pregnant women wouldn't miscarry, right? And that nursing women will have enough milk for their children. Shabbat and Erev Shabbat, they didn't fast. And even more so in Shabbat itself. 
And then finally, this is a very famous uh, little tidbit of Gemara here. My time, why not fast on Sunday? I'm a Rabbi Yochanan because of the Nazareans. So this is very interesting. Um, they because they sort of observed uh, Sunday as a holiday and they would take offense. Again, we do not have enough time to go into this, but this is one of the interesting passages of Gemara that does sort of acknowledge the existence of of Nazareans. Um, and then finally, Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani Amar Shlishi So Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani said because it's the third day from the creation of man, which took place on Friday, and the idea is is that the third day after any traumatic experience, some a person feels more weak than usual. So Sunday is a day that we feel more weak, right? That's the whole idea with Abraham after he gets his Brit Milah. Um, uh, that um, uh, you know that. Uh, that that's why he's resting that day in the tent. Okay. And then finally, and this is the part I wanted to pay attention to, because of the additional so. There's an additional soul that's placed in a person on the eve of Shabbat. And at the conclusion of Shabbat, it's taken from him. Shanat Mars, it says, Shabbat He rested and he was refreshed. Um, once he has rested, once concluded uh, by Abed Nefesh. Woe that the soul is actually, uh, is gone. So this is a pasuk they quote from Shemot chapter 31, verse 17. But this idea of this Neshama Yetera is very famous and it comes, uh, this is one of the sources for it, is from this uh, you know, from this actual Gemara. So I, I'm still left with more questions on this particular death. Uh, you know, just this whole connection between Abraham and the Mama Dod and Bereshit. Um, but nevertheless, even though I, I don't, I have less understanding, I still think it was a, a worthwhile passage for us to read and share together. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us for review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this DAF. Perhaps you have a solution for these puzzlements. Uh, thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on, on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 